The information provided in this podcast episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. On today's episode, we talked to Dr. Brianna Gaynor, who is a licensed clinical psychologist and the owner of Peace of Mind Psychological Services in Georgia. For our show today, she shares with us her perspective as an employer and what it means for her to expand her business, the level of trust she's had to input in others as she essentially shares pieces of her business with folks. And I think people kind of underestimate what it means to delegate and relinquish control. She spends a great amount of time talking to us about ways in which we can work with ourselves in that process. Because we all want to get to a place where our businesses are bountiful and we are able to employ others. And so let's take a listen as she teaches us some of the best practices. I know I learned some stuff and I hope you will too. Welcome Welcome to Minding My Black Business. Right, family, welcome to another episode of the Minding My Black Business podcast. And we have with us Dr. Brianna Gaynor. And I'm so excited for you all to get to hear her. We have been chit chatting a little bit, and I was like, we got to stop so I can press record so y'all can hear some of this goodness. <laughs> so, welcome to the Thank show, you. Dr. Gaynor. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I am glad that you agreed to be here. Now, could you do us a favor and introduce yourself and then let the family know where they can find you? So I am Dr. Brianna Gaynor. I am a clinical psychologist in Johns Creek, Georgia. So it's north of Atlanta. And our the name of the practice is Peace of Mind Psychological Services. Peace, P-E-A-C-E, not P-I-E-C-E. So I'm just going <laughs> to clarify that. Serenity. <laughs> um, and our website is peaceofmindpsychology.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Peace of Mind Psychology. Fantastic. And we'll definitely make sure we have those accounts tagged um, in the show notes so that people can check out all the great things that you all are doing. So, so I, you know, I always enjoy talking to my fellow mental health providers, uh, fellow therapists. Uh, (laughs) And I'm always curious that, you know, a lot of us come right out of school going into an agency, but then there becomes a point where we decide, nope, I'm going to do it for myself. And so how did entrepreneurship find you? How did that happen for you? It was a God thing because I never wanted to do this. (laughs) (laughs) I actually remember saying, I just want to go to work and go home. I don't want to deal with all that other stuff. Right. So to be in this position is just very interesting. I was working for a private practice and one day I went into my office and I just was like, I think I want to do this for myself. Kind of out of nowhere. Um, I had talked to a friend because she had gone out on her own maybe six months prior and just started talking with her about it, talked to another friend and just kind of logistics. So what do I need to do? What area do I need to go in? Started working with her and found a place and everything just kind of fell into place. But it was it was really a thought that I believe God put in me because it was not what I wanted, but it fell into place quite easily. Actually, after I said, yes, it was like October. I think by the following April, I had put in my resignation, my 60 day resignation. And by June, I was in my office seeing my first client. So wow. 
That's quite fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's quite fantastic. So what are the, another thing that you decided to do is not just be an entrepreneur, but you decided mm-hmm. to be an employer. <laughs> you said, I don't, I don't have enough on my plate. Let me do something. Yep. <laughs> I'll mess with you. Uh, no, I, I appreciate that. So how did you know? Because um, I think this is a, a, a really good point to bring home. How did you know it was time? Like, how did you know it was time to bring other people on to employ folks? So I remember the exact day. So of course, when you're starting off, you don't really have a lot of money to do a lot of things. So I had a cousin who was doing billing and coding. So she was doing that for me just to get experience. And I was making calls and I was the receptionist and all that. Um, One particular day I was in the office because because since I am a psychologist, I do a lot of psychological testing. So I was in the office with a client doing testing. I remember hearing the phone ring. And at the same time, there was like five people in my waiting room. So again, I'm testing. There's five people in the waiting room. Some who had just kind of walked in and then the phone's ringing. At that point, I was like, I need help. <laughs> I can no longer manage this. So it was at the point where it just became too many things for me to juggle and be a practitioner at the same time. Mm, that's real. Yeah. I mean, I think people could probably visualize what it means to be busy in one room doing your service, have people out in the waiting room mm-hmm. and uh, having your phone ringing. <laughs> because then I'm like, well, what do I do with these people? Where do I go? What are they doing? I'm thinking, OK, so I'm not really completely focused on the client because I'm thinking, OK, are they going in my stuff? You know, mm-hmm. what are they doing? Who are these people? I need to address this. Who's calling? Do they leave a met? So all those other things are going on in your mind. You can't really do your best work. I'm just really trying to hurry up with this person right. so I can address all these other things. Right. Like that's, right. that's not good client care. So. Right. Right. Yeah. OK, so when you felt as though the demands of the business were mm-hmm. pulling you away from your ability to do your work. Then that's Absolutely. when you decided. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, how did you do that? Did you did you take take on one person at a time, or how many employees do you have, or how many people are you managing at this point? So currently, I have do, 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 one, two, three, four employees. Um. I started off with one, just an office manager. And I was at that point, I was still the only practitioner. So she's actually been with me the longest. And we, it was probably the two of us together for at least a year before I looked into getting anyone else to come on. So I just put out an ad. Again, I had a friend who had started before me. So that was helpful because I could kind of ask her and she mm-hmm. had already started it all. So I put out an ad. I actually had a woman um, who used to go to my church who for whatever reason, just kind of asked me if I needed help. So she kind of came and helped me to go through some resumes. So that was helpful. Um, and I called this person and she has been with me almost as long as I've been there. Cause I started in June, she started in November. So what's that about four months or so, five months. So, um, like I said, it was just she and I, and then I, I ended up getting an admin but that was simply because her hours gonna were gonna need to be changing and we were getting busier. Mm. So I actually got an assistant just for her so that I could accommodate her hours. But when we started adding practitioners, it actually became necessary for there to be someone more than just her. So right. mm-hmm. okay. So as you started to hit that um 
those kind of growing pains. Like mm-hmm. we we're at capacity. That's when you need to take on other folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, what has it been like for you to manage staff? Like, are there so for those people who might be thinking about it, like I'm going into 2020, I'm going to get some new folks. I need help, blah blah. blah. Help them. Help us. <laughs> what What are some things that we need to know before we take that journey, and then while we're on a journey, like what are some things that are important to know, um, practically as well as to create that own balance? So, because I can imagine that this is another job, like just managing staff aside from providing the service. So. It is. And I have to say, it's been way more challenging than being a practitioner. I think you learn how to do your job, right? Mm -hmm. That's the part that comes easy. But we don't learn the business stuff as well. So I would say a few things because I feel like I've learned a lot of this through trial and error. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So first of all, once you start adding staff, you need to be clear about what their titles are, what their duties are, what their responsibilities are. And so I have an office manager and I have administrative assistants. I think in the beginning, one of the mistakes I may have made is just about delineating what everybody's role was. You know, sometimes when you're in a small office and everybody's working together, it can be really easy for those lines to be blurred. So if you're gonna have an office manager, giving them the responsibility of doing those duties so that as you're growing, people know this is the go-to person versus Mm. you because it's harder to pull yourself out of that once you put yourself in that. And so kind of relinquishing control, I think has been something I've had to- Wait a minute. Yeah. So if, I, if I'm just talking personally about myself, right. and it's interesting because my office manager and I have a very good relationship. So at this point, five years later, she's comfortable. Well, probably maybe two, three years in, she was comfortable to say, hey, you kind of got on my nerves because <laughs> you were right on me. What are you doing this? Are you doing? But this is my baby. Like, yeah. this was my business. Like, and I felt like I need to make sure it's right. And I was right. doing it for my by myself. And I'm just like, did you do it? Did you do it? Did you? So it took a while for that trust. Right. But what I've also learned is if you've hired this person, not that you are completely everything in the beginning, but you have to give them the opportunity. And I think maybe for me in the beginning, it's kind of like, I want you to do this, but I'm watching over you. So you're doing double the work. Right. Be open to delegating and giving your staff the opportunity mm-hmm. to do it. If you're having them help you, then there is some control you have to relinquish. Mm-hmm. But there is freedom in being able to have the help, but you have to utilize it the right way. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you should just do it yourself. And I think that that's <laughs> what I have to learn. <laughs> First and foremost, and like I said, then having an office manager, I need to let her manage and not double back because I think Mm -hmm. we did that a lot. And part of it was figuring out what that role looked like. So as more people have come in, it's like, that's your supervisor. Right. (laughs) Something you guys can't handle, I will, but that's your supervisor. Right. Giving her that too, because you have to also give them that power to know I'm trusting you this is what I'm giving you because when people are working for you they're they're trying to kind of figure out how you move too so right allowing them to know what you're trusting them with what their responsibilities are and the freedoms you're giving them I think helps employees like to not be micromanaged Mm -hmm. but at the same time I also had to come up with some ways to kind of ensure things were happening so once I saw her pattern she's reliable she goes extra mile she does this then I could kind of pull back a little bit so watching for those things 
So watching for opportunities to give them more control versus for opportunities of things that they're doing wrong because mm. really need the help. Um, mm-hmm. The um, what is it called? It's um, Gwinnett Business College, I believe. They have like a business division where they give free business coaching. Um, I have to look it up. So it's the Small Business Development Center at Georgia State. And my friend told me about that. So what I did was told them all the things I had going on with the business and I would get coaching on how to work with marketing or he helped me with... um, just kind of looking at the books and what I should be looking at. So that kind of development was helpful and it was free. Mm. So any kind of business development you can do, especially if you don't have a business degree, especially in this field, I think was also really helpful. Right. And and then I think now when I'm interviewing, the other thing that I really want to know when I'm interviewing employees is I want to know about your personality and your temperament. So we actually had them take a personality assessment because one thing is you being good at your job, but but um, personalities, conflicts, I feel like that's even worse. Like I can train you in your job, but if you can't get along and work well and you may not mesh well with the office, to me, that's a bigger issue. So really trying to see kind of people's values, where they are, having them take this assessment, it kind of tells you people who are more easygoing versus people who need things a certain way. It's just really helpful. So some kind of assessment and just more questions about who you are as a person. So I can know if you would fit in with us. So hope that answered the question. (laughs) Dr. Gaynor, not only did you answer the question. You see me up here waving my hand? Uh, okay. So <laughs> okay, I appreciate that for tons of reasons, a tons mm-hmm. of reasons. Can you talk a little bit about, you just had so many negatives. I was trying to type them all while you were talking. Can you talk to us about relinquishing control as an, okay, hold on. Take a deep breath. As an entrepreneur, because yeah. yet when you said this is my baby, I'm like, I felt that and yeah. continue to feel that. And I have yeah. had people help me. Um, and so I know exactly what that tug is. Um, but what does that feel like for somebody who might not necessarily, they might be doing it, but not, not be able to tell that they're doing it. What is that? relinquishing control piece it feels like that anxiety when you're like oh my god did they do this did they do that okay what's going on when you can't go to sleep and you're constantly thinking about it or you're double checking or you're stressed when they're in the office wondering if they completed this or if they completed that or Mm. how things are going it's that constant anxiety where you can't focus on what you're doing because you're wondering there are a lot of times with this business and not I don't know if it's just maybe control where I wake up in the middle of the night and my mind is just, and it's just like at two o'clock in the morning, what can you do to fix that? Right. Right. Um, And so what I've also, so then I think the other thing is constantly asking, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Did you do that? So what I've learned is give people time. And if you have a deadline, give them the deadline because just because it's in your head for now, They might not be able to do it for now and being able to give them that time. And if there is a deadline and then following up then and not being on their back, the more you can do that, the better it is. But it's that constant 
anxiety thoughts is this happening i'm checking behind you i feel like i'm doing double the work now that you're here what's your point is that because they're not helpful or is that because you are trying to control everything absolutely and i appreciate um your office manager being like hey Hold on. <laughs> because I asked her, she didn't. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was good for me to know too, because I didn't recognize that. So one of the mm-hmm. things I've tried to do is, you know, have those conversations now that we've kind of moved past that. And I'm like, I'm trying, but you know, well, how is this going? Like, I really do want to know because my perspective is totally different. I think I'm doing well, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Let me, you know, I do want to know that kind of stuff because I never, I think the biggest issues in in offices happen when little problems become big problems and people just never address it. So I'm big on, look, let's just have the conversation. It it probably could be resolved versus you just mad and stewing and no one said anything. So, right. And I think it's those moments where our strengths as mental health professionals tend to shine, (laughs) right? We're about like, you know, making relationships healthier, healthier. Yeah. Um, And oftentimes those things don't mesh with how people typically administrate um, offices. Um, They're more about like how productive can people be? Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, that's fantastic. Because I, I mean, it sounds like you also provide opportunities for your employees to give you feedback in both a formal and informal way um, in terms of mm-hmm. their, own, their own work. Yeah, I try to. I probably have done that more with my office manager, but also encouraging her to do that with her assistants. Because again, <clears throat> there's also that fine line where I, I want people to know that that's your supervisor. I'm like, you can't you guys cannot address it. Um, But one of the things we do say in our meetings is kind of opening it up to people. And I've also had one-on-one conversations because I realized that you can say that as a blanket statement, but people don't necessarily believe it. So if I get an opportunity, you know, like I was there a few weeks ago by myself, I was able to talk to one of the therapists who's been there the longest. We had a very honest conversation because she started to say something. Well, I don't want to, I said, no, let's talk about it. So it was a great opportunity that I probably wouldn't have had because no one else was there. And it was really good to hear her feedback. So she's probably the one who's always going to kind of give me her feedback because she knows I'm open to it. So Absolutely. I want to create that. I can't probably can't do that with everybody all the time, but if it's not me, my office manager has, cause we have these conversations. Like we know from prior experience, how if you don't address it, it's a problem. So we're trying to like cut that off right, right. now. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So what would you consider to be, in addition to the the relinquishing control, because I imagine there are some other pieces too, Mm -hmm. what do you consider to be some of the struggles as the as the the actually, you know, the top of the triangle? What what are some of the struggles that occur for you when you now have employees versus when you were doing it alone? Um, just the constant need to create policies and procedures and th- and ways of doing things that you didn't really think you needed until you needed it <laughs> um, and kind of constant improvement and then I think as an entrepreneur you're um, as things grow if you're you know if this is kind of 
your wheelhouse and what you're meant to do, you tend to think long-term too. So I'm also thinking, well, what about this? Well, we need to think about the future and everybody doesn't think like that. So that can be a challenge for me because I'm like, well, how come nobody else think like that? But that's the way my mind works, right? So trying to implement these things, make sure these things are done, but also recognizing that I guess everybody has their strengths and then this is something that I kind of have to stay on top of Absolutely. and make sure it gets it gets done. And I think the bigger we get, the more it's like, okay, we need to put this in place. Okay, we need a manual. Okay, we need a procedure. Okay, well, do we have that uploaded? No, we just have it in this client spot, but how about we do this? And not being frustrated because everyone doesn't think the way I do. You know, like it's like mm-hmm. everyone is just different. So let me try to put as many things in place and you know hope it all works out because usually if I start one thing then that'll be the catalyst for okay this is the way we do it but Mm -hmm. just establishing those things when you don't even think of them initially especially when you're busy it's you know that can be challenging right and I can imagine that there are so many things that are just the way you do them that you didn't even think was a policy (laughs) (laughs) until you had to explain it to someone. Uh, And so, because I I distinctly remember that when I, so I have an assistant as well, and I was trying to explain some stuff and it got so convoluted because I was like, you do this and this, except for when this thing happens and then it goes, and I was like, wait a minute, let me just write this down. (laughs) I thought it made sense. Um, Turns out when I say it out loud, it's confusing. Uh, and I, so. Yeah, I'll give you an example. We have a, um, you have to do Medicaid authorization for mm. therapists and I know how to do it. And my full-time knows how to do it, but then it kept coming up and no one knew how to do it. And so someone used to show them how to do it, but then we kind of didn't. So I was like, okay, I was talking to one of the therapists one day and she always oh, going to ask you. And I'm like, how about I write it down? That would mm. be good. So I literally went to the form, wrote the most detailed explanation I ever have, found out where everybody's number is, made sure everybody had that. Now, did that take extra time? Yes. But now we have a procedure in place. A new therapist comes on. Now, here, here's the paper. It's not up to admin to know how to do it. Like just different things you think take for granted that everyone does. I'm trying to make everything as streamlined as possible. So it's in the book. Right. Here it is. Right. And it's in here. And it's in here. So all you have to do is read the instructions. This is what your number is. We have a copy of that. Everybody knows where everything is. So just little stuff like that. Like I wouldn't think, let me write out instructions of how to, but it was enough people who were getting claims denied that I was like, let me just do this instead of asking admin. And that's the other thing. Also being appreciative because it can be as a, as a leader, when you want certain things done, it's really easy to get frustrated when it's not being done. So I think for me, when I'm in the front office and I see all the moving pieces, I can really appreciate all that they do, the time that it takes, and also recognize that as a human, you can only do so much. So there is something that I, if I could alleviate this to help and take that off the plate because they do so much anyway, that relieves me from having to do it, then it's worth it. I love that because that leads into my next question. Like, what are ultimately the benefits of taking on other people when you could just control everything by yourself? Like, why? (laughs) What are the benefits? So, yeah, the practical pieces of other people, you know, sharing the workload. Yeah. What benefits also have there been to maybe your your mental health as a result of having employees? So, I think, so 
initially it was me and my office manager. And then I had a death and my mom passed away in 2015. Unexpectedly. Thank you. And I was out for a week. And I remember that was the slowest month ever. I remember being like, how am I going to pay rent? How was all of this? And at that point I was like, if this is only contingent on me, this is going to be a problem, which is when I got more people. So I think that is one thing. So it's things that I don't have to do. So I can unplug and I've learned how to unplug. There are days like Saturday, I have three practitioners in the office. So like Saturday, literally I had to go, I was going Christmas shopping and I was passing by the office and I was like, money is still being made and I am going home. (laughs) So that's a blessing. And to know that things are being done efficiently, because I think you really need to know what your goal is. If your goal is just to kind of stick with these clients and you can manage it and not have to pay someone and you're still able to have self-care, I don't know how all that goes together. Okay. But what's the goal? And my goal changed from, I think originally I was like, oh, I'll just rent the space to, I want this to be something that can still be productive, even if I'm not here. So it's also opened up opportunities for me. I want to do speaking and I want to be able to not be in the office. So I guess, what are your goals? And do you have adequate time for self-care? You know, I am home I'm not, I'm in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So for today, even though it's a late day, I get to be home. So I'm doing work Mm -hmm. from the comfort of my couch. I can look at my Christmas tree. To me, that gives me a sense of calm on a Monday, even though I'm doing work, just versus being in the office. So it's worth the money. It's worth the time. It's worth being able to employ people and give them an opportunity and teach them skills they don't know. So I think, and I think the other part too that I've learned is it's also worth having the opportunity to serve. I think for me, it's been challenging sometimes because I think to go from employee to employer, you know, as employees, you know, you want your boss to appreciate you and, you know, show that appreciation usually monetarily. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, you don't get any of that. And right. I really had to accept that and recognize that my goal is to serve them. So how can I do that? And how can I help them versus what they're doing for me? They already do something for me. But considering all the ways they make my life easier, what can I do to help them make it easier to be the kind of employer where they want to stay? So you're right. Yes, because there is the the notion, right, that when people leave their job, they leave their employer and not mm-hmm. necessarily the job. So mm-hmm. you make a good point. Mm-hmm. OK, so what it, it sounds like through trial and error that you have been. <laughs> uh able to kind of like figure out your own like best practices like what Mm -hmm. works for you in particular how to get people onboarded how to like clearly delineate who is your immediate supervisor and when you're stepping and when you won't now what is something that feels like you wish you knew uh about how to influence employees that you have sort of learned as you've gone along what I wish I knew is that it's important to keep the professional and the personal balance. I think because I'm a naturally friendly person and social person, I think 
some of my mistakes initially were being too friendly. And then I think it's hard to kind of draw that line on, you know, this is when we need to get serious. This is what, and not in a mean way, but I think there needs to be boundaries. And I think in the beginning, you know, I was so used to just connecting, you know, you connect with people all day. I can connect with my clients well, but there had to be a difference, I think, in the back part. And I think that that affects how people um, follow through or their, not just dedication, but how they can tend to approach certain things. And I think if you don't have those boundaries early on, it makes it harder to have certain conversations because it almost feels like they think you're their friend. And then it's this weird place where it's like, but no, I'm your employer, but I have kind of created these, um, these boundaries that aren't clear. So kind of figuring out the line between friendliness and conversation and professionalism. So I wish I would have known that in the beginning because everybody's not meant to be my friend. And I think finding that balance and figuring that out along the way has made a lot of those relationships just better in terms of having to follow through with stuff. I don't need to know all your personal business and that's okay. And there is going to be boss and you know, how you talk to admin and being okay with that too. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, you're right. Everybody can't be your friend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I like that. I like boundaries are so important in, yeah. in literally yeah. everything. Everything. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. Mm. I know y'all have been paying attention. I know y'all have listened to what Dr. Gaynor has been saying. Oh my goodness, because I have been taking notes. All right. So so before we wrap up, I must ask you this. What does minding my Black business mean to you? What minding my Black business means to me is making sure that I serve. I'm the best servant in the place. You know, um, what I said earlier is I know that this was definitely a God thing. And, you know, if you are a Christian, if you do read the Bible, Jesus was the best servant of all. And that's what I have been placed here to do and recognizing that the blessings come from that. And also recognizing that this is something I get to do, not something I have to do. And I have to remind myself of that. Yeah. Right. Like (laughs) I get to do this. I get to make my schedule. I get to be a leader. I get to, try to do these kind things and make a um, friendly environment and enjoy where I am and help my staff. I get to do these things. I don't have to do. And a lot of people would love this position. So really being able to identify all the great things about being a business owner. I love that. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. This has been such a pleasure. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, family. We appreciate you listening. We need you to do us a favor. We need you to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, join us at Following the Movement on our website at MindingMyBlackBusiness.com. There you can find uh, Minding My Black Business merchandise, and you can also find our digital academy. Now, our academy is the place where we are looking to expand our resources, particularly emotional wellness resources for black entrepreneurs. And we already have worksheets there. We have more resources to come. 
You can follow us on our social media platforms. On Twitter, we are Minding My Black Biz. On Instagram, it's at Dr. Janae Taylor. And on Facebook, it's at Dr. Janae Taylor. So peace and blessings to us all. And when you're out there and they ask you what you're doing, don't forget to tell them, I'm minding my black business.